And I don't know if you noticed this morning, but before we get into the message, we're flying the flag at half mass. The president has requested that we do that, showing respect to the office of the Supreme Court Justice who just passed away, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I guess <clears throat> you've heard about that if you haven't. She died this week. And regardless of what your, your political position or what your opinion is of her and her rulings and that, you know, you can disagree with somebody without hating them. Okay? You have to remember, if God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And it's his will that no one should perish, but all should come to repentance. I, I'm, I'm nobody's judge. I'm not God. Neither are you. I can't say where a person's soul is, where they are, what experiences they've had. I just think that it's right when somebody is, has died, you know, you should never wish evil on anyone. And um, we want to remember the Ginsburg family today because they're mourning the loss of somebody that they love, you know. And so um, out of respect to that office and respect to our president, we've put the flag at half mass. And just, just remember that family in prayer. Amen. Praise God. Well, take your Bibles out if you would, please. I'm going to be in the book of Revelation chapter 2 this morning for our opening text. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, Unto the angel of the church of, of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience. And now thou cannot bear them which are evil. And you've tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them to be liars. You have borne, you've had patience, and for my name's sake you've labored. You've not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto you quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit said to the churches. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God." Father, I thank you so much for your word this morning, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just wrap us in your arms this morning, Lord. You said where two or three are gathered in your name, Lord. We just saw it on this children's ministry. God, you're in the midst, Lord. When I heard that, it's what I was reminded of the fact, God, that your presence is right here in this place, Lord. Somehow, just in my mind, I just envision you wrapping your arms around this assembly today. But, God, I would pray also that you'd breathe into me, Lord, the words of life, that I could speak them out, Lord, and we could hear them, God, and remember what you have done for us and what you're doing in us, God, what you're doing through us, Lord. And that, Father, the words of life will come out of us, God. It will breathe life into us, Lord Jesus, that we can go out, Lord, and be a light into this world, God. We're living in a dark, dark world in a very dark, dark time, God. And the world needs to see that Jesus is real, God. And he needs to see that Jesus is real in our life, Lord. So, Father, I pray that you breathe something into us today, God. Give us a refreshing, Lord. God, reignite the fire and the passion in our life again today, Lord. God, we don't want to go cold and indifferent, Lord. But, God, we want to blaze and burn until you come. So, Father, I pray that you would just speak this morning, Lord Jesus. 
Holy Spirit, we welcome you right here into this place. We invite you in. God, this is not a man time for man to speak. Lord, it's time for you to speak. Holy Spirit, come right now and speak to the body of Christ. Minister to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Church, I am so ready to get back to what we once enjoyed. Amen. We're going to get there. Praise God. We, uh, we ate in church yesterday. I know you're not supposed to do that, but who said? We had our men's breakfast yesterday. You probably smelled the bacon when you came in. <clears throat> um, but it was good. It was good. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I got up yesterday, and it was cold. Hey, I don't like the cold. I'm skinny, and I freeze when it's cold outside. And, and somebody at the men's breakfast yesterday said something about hunting, and I was like, you know what? I remember when that was a whole lot more fun. I just, I don't know. I remember when I used to get excited about those things. I had a passion for it, you know. I remember when it brisk, the air would get brisk, man, I'm just waiting for hunting season. The smell of hoppies number nine, gun solvent in the house. It's something about the smell of a fresh fired shotgun shell. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, it's like, I mean, it takes you back. I mean, memories, I can, when I smell a fresh fired shotgun shell, I'm back on my grandmother's farm with all the aunts and uncles hunting rabbits and squirrels. And it's just something about that smile, you know, that, that, that smell. And this week, a couple of guys came by the house. They wanted to borrow them. a couple of life jackets. And it was cold and it was dark. There, it's nighttime now, and they're going fishing on the James River. And I thought, you know, I remember when I used to get excited about that stuff. But for some reason, I just don't get excited about it anymore. I mean, I still love it, but I just hate the cold. And for some reason, I just don't have the drive I once had. I remember when I, when I was their age, because I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, I remember being their age and being excited about that stuff. Me and a, a family member, in fact, it was Scotty, Jeannie's brother. We was in a rock quarry pond frog gigging. Anybody ever been frog gigging? Come on, we got any country boys in here? And I'm on the bow of the boat with a paddle just doing this. We went round and round that pond. And that was the wildest frogs I ever seen. I mean, you couldn't get close to them. They'd jump in the water. <clears throat> but we'd slip up on them, and we kept gigging them, you know. I mean, by the time I'd come all the way around, the ones that had jumped in was back up on the bank again. So I'd, we're going to get that frog if it's the last thing we do. Next thing I know, it's breaking daylight. We done been out there all night long chasing frogs. Brother, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have that kind of, I don't have that kind of, <laughs> That stay power anymore. I don't know. My strength of my youth is fading or I don't know. My passion is fading or I've just lost my passion for it. The thing is, it's still there. I just can't find it. Come on. Your passion is still there. You just can't find it. It's kind of like Marcel you saying oh lord for come on i got feelings you know no i'm saying that because i mentioned it to somebody the other day and said i've never heard you talk about marcel i'm like well you must be new here then because the marcel is marcel there's arnell you know wl odell marcel clovis eugene and claude 
Well, Claude and Eugene decided one day they're living in Yazoo City, Mississippi. They was going to go see Myrtle Beach. They'd heard all this about Myrtle Beach. <clears throat> see, I graduated from high school in South Carolina, and they teach you reading, writing, and the road to Myrtle Beach. <clears throat> all right, so they drove all the way from Mississippi, and they, they're, they're almost on the coast of South Carolina. All of a sudden, uh, Clovis turned the truck around and started heading back down the road. And, and, and Eugene said, what are you doing, Clovis? He said, well, we can't go to Myrtle Beach. He said, why not? He said, because of that sign. He said, what sign? He said, you didn't see that sign? He said, no. He said, what did it say? He said, Myrtle Beach left. <laughs> you see, it's still there. We just don't know how to read the sign. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Losing your passion. It's easy to lose your passion, isn't it? Well, if you really want to remember what real passion is, just watch children and how they view life. Come on. You see this little thing sitting beside Gigi over here? I was talking about her the other day. I was over at her daddy's house. We were working on some stuff for the church here. And she come out there, and that thing is so full of life, brother. I'm going to tell you what. If she doesn't make your heart glad, you need to check your pulse. Because she came out there, and there was this great big beetle bug crawling around. I picked that thing up, and I showed it to him. Boy, she took about three steps back. And I said, you want to touch it? And then she took another step back. <laughs> and I and rubbed it on his back. I said, it won't hurt you. So she come over there and rubbed it. And she's just bubbly, excited, and got life and fiery, you know, and passionate. They say that opposites attract, you know. I'm a pretty dull, boring person. It's one reason I was drawn to Gigi, because she's just fiery. She's like that. She's fiery, and people say, well, she's the wind in my sail, and I'm the anchor that keeps her from running ashore. <laughs> Amen. Come on. We, we need each other, don't we? But I was thinking back <clears throat> to a sermon. This is actually a sermon I kind of reworked that I preached 12 years ago when my 13-year-old grandson was just a little over a year old, and Gigi had brought him down to the shop, and I was in the wood shop working. Well, my wood shop has got bat board and batting siding on it. That's where you put the boards up like this, and you got a crack between you, and you put batting over it. Well, there's cracks in that shop wall, and I'm down there working, and the sun was shining through. And she said, look at him. And I looked at him, and he had this look on his face. I said, what is he looking at? And I got down where he was at, and he was watching the sawdust whirl, twirling in that ray of sunlight coming through the cracks in that board. And he was just mesmerized by that sawdust twirling in that sunlight. And I remembered when I was a little kid, you know, how, just how fascinating things like that are. And that same week, we had my one and only perfect granddaughter at our house, and she was out on the basketball court there playing, and I, we was pushing her around. I got this little metal car that I dug out of the dipsy dumpster when my daughter was a baby, and we've had that thing ever since. She rode it, all the boys rode it, and all the grandchildren rode it, and we was pushing her around in that little cart. Was she was standing there. She was just big enough to walk, and she was standing there. And Jeannie, she, she, nothing gets past her. She, she said, look, look, look. And the, her hair was just kind of blowing a little bit in the wind, and she was facing the wind, and she was doing this. She said, she just discovered the wind. 
And she was just standing there, and the wind, she just realized what wind was, and it was blowing on her face. And I did a, I did a sermon after that called Sawdust in the Sun. Because do you remember the first time that you saw things like that? Beetle bugs and lizards and sawdust in the sun and wind in your face and just discovering new things and how exciting they are. Well, children do that. When they, they see something new, they get excited about it. We may not remember the first time that we saw those things, but we can remember when we have new experiences and how captivating they captivate our attention and they create passion in us. But the things we need to see this morning, church, is life is full of new experiences, exciting things, things that's filled with intrigue, things that create anticipation and desire. We do things that's fun. We tell somebody else about it, and they try it, and they, it's fun, and you just can't wait to do it. You want to do it again and again and again and again, and pretty soon, it just isn't any fun anymore. It's too cold, too old, just don't feel like it, and this is not fun anymore. What happened? We've lost our passion. Passion's something important. It's common to lose passion when things become familiar. We, th- we have new experiences and they're not new anymore. It was once said that familiarity breeds contempt. When we get familiar with things, they become ho-hum and humdrum and everyday occurrences until we hardly even notice it anymore. We don't notice the sawdust in the sun. We don't notice the wind in our face. We don't notice the beetle bugs and the lizards and all the little neat things (laughs) that was so intriguing to us when we were children. So I believe God sometimes reminds us of how good things are when we see others experience new things. Come on, don't you like to introduce people to new things when they're happening? Something that was really, really special to you. You know, I think that it's wonderful to have people to walk through life with. How many times, if you're married in here this morning, just tell me, when you experience something all by yourself and you said, I wish my mate was here with me. Or maybe something, you know, that you and your children enjoy or you and a friend enjoy. It's like, man, I wish so-and-so was here to see this because we like to see other people experience new things as well and so uh, I think God reminds us of that when we see other people experiencing new things for the first time or like children when they're noticing things for the first time and kids notice everything don't they I mean the little I guess maybe because they're closer to the earth or something they'll see a little speck on the ground you'll see a kid you got to watch them because they put everything in their mouth and they'll find every little thing on the floor and put it in their mouth. And so they don't miss anything. New couples experiencing things for the first time. How many of you, when you were married, do you remember the first time you went to the grocery store? Huh? The, I mean, you're in your house, you've had your wedding shower, and you've got the, we had five different toasters. They must have thought I love toast because, you know, you have, back in our day when we got married, you didn't, what do you do? You tell people where to go shop or something? A a register. That's so you don't wind up buying five toasters for the newlywed couple. We didn't have that. Nobody knew what, who, 
had bought and but it was just so much fun because I was driving from Columbia, South Carolina all the way to Ashton, Virginia every weekend to see her because we're going we're to get married in December, and I'm working down in South Carolina. And so I'm coming home. Well, every time I would drive back down there, she's putting all this stuff in the car that we've been given for our, you know, for our wedding, and, and I'm carrying it and putting it in the bedroom, and I'm going to let her get there and unpack it all. And that's, That was fun stuff, wasn't it? exciting stuff you go to the grocery store the first time and you you got to decide are we going to buy ivory irish spring or dial are we going to use crest or colgate or ultra bright are we going to use charmin cotton nail or scott are we going to buy captain crunch or are we going to buy sugar smacks or fruit loops and all of these decisions and it's just so much fun and then what happens you get familiar with each other. You don't even notice all of the neat, neat stuff in life. You don't notice the sawdust in the sun, the wind in your face, all the everyday little miracles and pleasures of life because we become old married couples. We're not newlyweds anymore. We're old married couples. And you don't care if it's ivory or Irish spring. You just hope there's enough left on the bar to suds up the rag. Don't you hate it when it's like just that much left and you're like trying to get all the corners? Not me, brother. I want a big fat bar of soap. I want, a, I want that thing just dripping with suds, you know. So you get in there and it's like, I don't care what it is. Just as long as there's enough there left to soak the rag. Right? I mean, you don't care if it's Crest or Colgate just so there's, you're not trying to squeeze that last little drop out. Or you pick it up and somebody has squeezed it in the middle instead of rolling it up from the bottom. All right, come on. Are you a squeezer or a roller? Huh? And you got to work these things out. And isn't it fun working all of that stuff out? Somebody says, yeah, as long as they do it the way I want it done. <laughs> Captain Crunch or Sugar Smacks, who cares? Just so there's enough left in the box to fill my bowl half full. You know, you drink all the milk but this much in the bottom. Why, why don't you just go on and finish the thing off? You, the, the jug's sitting there. You would think there's going to be enough in there to fill up my cereal bowl. You fill your bowl full of cereal and you pour it out and it goes about that deep in the bottom of the bowl. Charmin's cotton nail, Scott, who cares as long as there's some squares left on the roll. Amen? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You see, we become familiar. We lose the intrigue. We lose the passion. Why? Because we lose our appreciation. We lose our appreciation. We lose our gratitude and our gratefulness. In church, we become critical. Everything is still the same. Still right there. We just don't know how to read the signs. What's changed? Captain Crunch is still crunchy. Irish Spring still got green stripes in it. Come on. Colgate still cleans your teeth. Sawdust still swirls in the sun. Wind still blows on your face. Exciting things still happen all around us every day. But we don't 
appreciate it. We become ungrateful and we become critical. Isn't that a shame? What's changed? What I grew up? No, we all grew up. A lot of people grew up and don't lose their excitement. They don't lose their passion. You know, some people are still kids when they're 66 years old. They still act like a kid. Amen? <laughs> Who would he be talking about? Yeah. No, we stop noticing things. We stop being deliberate. We stop being intentional. But more important, we stop appreciating life. We become bored with life. But church, listen to me. Bored is another word for spoiled. Come on, church. Spoiled, unappreciative, ungrateful. Then boredom becomes a pattern that reaches into every area of our life. Oh, that's so boring. I've had that. I've done that. I've seen that. I've heard that. I know that. I've been there, got the T-shirt, and it's just not fun anymore. But gratitude says, I am so thankful that I can do that. I'm thankful that I can go there. I'm thankful that I can see that. I'm thankful that I can hear that. Thankful that I can spend time with somebody, that I can know those things, that we can go there and we can go there together. I'm thankful for those things. Gratitude has to be intentional. Amen? Come on, church. Gratitude is intentional. We stop noticing. You remember when you were newlyweds? Come on, when you first met your mate, sitting by the phone, you couldn't wait for them to call you. Couldn't wait for them to come and see you. Now, before I met Gigi, she, she had a boyfriend. He wasn't nearly as nice as me or nearly as good looking. And I had a girlfriend before her, and she was ugly compared to Gigi. And I would go pick up my girlfriend, and I'm like, I'm tired of her after a while, and I'd drop her off. But when I met Gigi, we, you couldn't hardly pull us apart. It made us, it just, it like was ripping us apart. Her mom and dad would blink the light. Because I'd bring her home. We're out in the front yard, and we're all hugging, you know, and everything. And when it's time to come in, it'd blink at stupid light. I wanted to go up the porch light. I wanted to go up there and just unscrew the light bulb, you know. And, you know, after we got married, we went to see him, and we went back out to that same big poplar tree in the front yard, and we're just holding each other. They never did blink that light. They just let us stay out there all along. But they were blinking the light. And her dad told her, said, now, Gina, see, he always called her Gina, which is actually her real name is Gina. We call her Gigi or Jeannie. But he'd say, Gina, weekends are for dating. Weekdays is for family. So we're like, doggone it. I mean, we wanted to be together every single day. And when we wasn't together, we was thinking about being together. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe you wasn't in love like we were. But we just wanted to be together. And, and so a friend of mine started a Monday night Bible study just for us. 
Daddy's not going to say you can't go to a Bible study, all right? Tuesday night, we had a couple of married couple friends that would invite us over for dinner or some special something. So Tuesday night, Wednesday night was midweek service, and Thursday night, we couldn't think of a thing to get together. So I had to give up one night out of the week. Friday night was a date night. Hallelujah. Saturday and Sunday, we went to church. We were together every single day except Thursday. Am I right, babe? And even then, it's like, doggone it. If we could just figure out something for Thursday, we'd work that in too. Can you remember like that? When it was like that, just couldn't wait to see him again. You wanted to hold their hands. You wanted to walk together and sit together. You would talk for hours trying to make them laugh, trying to say something that they would be pleased with, trying to be funny. You want to entertain them. You wanted to woo them and draw them. Then you become old married couples. Now you don't hardly talk to each other at all. You pass each other. You get mad if they walk in front of you when you're going in the bathroom. I was going in there first. <laughs> they deliberately stand in your way and move slow. You know they're doing it on purpose because they know it annoys you. Just all, just all kinds of stuff, and you stop serving each other. You stop appreciating each other. You become familiar. You become ungrateful, and then you become critical. You lose your passion for your mate until one day you see their name written on granite. And you say, if I just had one more day, just another opportunity, if I could just go back and do it again, come on, church, you don't want to do that. You don't want to stand there and look at a pile of fresh dug dirt and a granite stone and say, if I could just do it again, I would do it different. At that point, your life is either going to savor or regret the time that you had together. You savor things that you had together, that you did together, you saw together, you heard together, the fact that you could be there together, or you're going to regret all of the missed opportunities that you had. But church, I'm here to, this morning to tell you, as long as you are alive, it's not too late to reignite the passion that you, that you once had to notice all the little things, all the little miracles, the little special things that you have, like beetle bugs and lizards and sawdust in the sun, wind in your face, small things, smell of number nine hoppies, a fresh fired shotgun shell. Those things should still be nice. Amen. But boredom doesn't just affect our natural life. It affects our spiritual life as well. I remember hearing a testimony of Colonel Don Coble. He was a colonel in the U.S. Army. He said he, he was a wild, wild, wild child when he was young. He said, my good friend took me to the bus station and put me on the bus. He was the sheriff of the county. <laughs> he said, you can either go to jail or you can go into the military. He said, so I got on that bus, said, I rolled up in there. Said, by the time I got there, said, I was rolling like a big gunner. I had another guy carrying my bag. 
said that big drill sergeant said he was a big black guy. He didn't even have a neck. He said, fall in. He said, I'll be there in a minute. He said, he picked me up and set me in that line. He said, I'm your mama. I'm your daddy. I'm everything to you, boy. He said, and I believed him too. He said, he taught me all kinds of stuff. He said, he taught me how to peel potatoes. He taught me how to scrub bathrooms with toothbrushes. He taught me how to dig a big old hole and put my past in it. He said, and he went on to become a colonel, and he said he was wild and just wild as a buck. He got married, had children. He said, I made a federal case out of everything because I'm military. Made my kids walk the chalk. He said, and I neglected my wife until the day she tried to take her life. She said, a group of Christians in our community reached out to her after that, and she started going to church and said she changed. He said, she kept on bugging me about going to that church. So finally, I went down there and said, I walked in there. He said, I was expecting church to be some little bitty, short, fat, bald-headed man with breathing problems and a room full of old women. He said, but I walked in there and said, there was men in that church. He said, I'm looking around thinking, what are men doing in this church? Men don't go to church. And he said, they were men too. He said, one of them liked to crush my hand. The other one liked to jerk my shoulder out of the socket when he shook hands with me. He said, I sat down there and kept thinking, what in the world are these men doing in here? And so one of them plopped a Bible in my lap. He said, I was halfway through the service before my son finally said, turn it over, Dad, turn it over. He said, but that preacher kept saying, what will you do with the man called Jesus? Throughout his whole sermon, he kept saying, what will you do with the man called Jesus? He said, and all week long, he said, I couldn't get that out of my head. What will you do with the man called Jesus? He said, so I finally went to see that pastor and said, and I committed my life to Christ. He said, I'm going to tell you everything changed. He said, when Jesus came into my life, he changed everything. He said, I was changed in an instant. He said, I went back home. He said, nobody had to tell me that alcohol was wrong. He said, I went to the liquor cabinet and I took every bottle I had. I screwed the top off. He said, I used to, I would whip you if you spilt a drop. He said, now I'm pouring it down the sink. So my wife came in, saw what I was doing, said she grabbed a bottle and said, we both started pouring it down. I said, and we got happy. He said, and I went to church. said, man, I was so excited. He said, an old deacon came up to me one day and said, he put his arm around me. He said, oh, Don said, you're all excited now. I said, but it's all right, son. You'll calm down after a while and you'll be like the rest of us. He said, I went to that pastor. said, what is he talking about? He said, I don't want to be like him. The pastor said, I don't either. You know, a lot of people are like that deacon. They've become familiar with their faith. They've lost their passion. They've lost their excitement. They've become bored with church. Done that, seen that, heard that, been there. Kind of an attitude. Lost their love for God. Lost their love for the children of God. Lost their love for his word. Lost their love for his work. Because it's become too familiar. They're bored with it. If we're not careful, we'll become very ungrateful. And a lot of people become critical. Instead of going to church to rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice, they come to try to pick out what's wrong and why they shouldn't do this different and why they're not doing that and why they're not, and all the critical attitudes that we bring into the house of God and instead of rejoicing in the Lord, 
We become bored and ungrateful and critical. What has changed? God's love hasn't changed. His children are still his children. We just don't appreciate them. The lost are still lost. We just don't care. I'm saved. <laughs> Let them go to hell. His work is still needing somebody to step up and say, here am I, Lord, send me. But instead we say, well, let somebody else do it. Somebody else will go. I got other things to do. We may look the same on the outside. We show up to church. We do our duty. We still disapprove of sinful things. We disapprove of sinful people. We disapprove of people who compromise. Those who profess to know Christ, but they don't live the life. We've lost the passion that we first had in that first experience. That's why Jesus, when he wrote to the church at Ephesus, he said, I know your works. It's not that you're not working. I know your labor. I know your patience. I know that you can't bear them which are evil. I know that you've tried them that say they're apostles and they're not. You found them to be liars. You've borne. You've had patience. For my name's sake, you've labored. You've not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because you left your first love. Jesus said, You left your first love. Remember from whence thou art fallen and repent, or else I will come to you and I will remove your candlestick out of its place. Church, people that become ungrateful and critical, instead of having that passion, they're just an empty candlestick with no light. I don't want that to be me. Church, you don't want that to be you. We show up for church. We do our duty. We disapprove of sinful things, sinful people. People that compromise, say they profess Christ. He said they're apostles, but you found them to be liars. We fail to notice and appreciate and give thanks to have gratitude for all of the little things. I believe that's why we need to learn from children, from newlyweds, new Christians, because they have what we have lost Don't you love to see new ch children come to the Lord? Because I'm, I'm thinking about a young couple that just came to, to our church not long ago. They're brand new babes in Christ, and they are fired up, man. And I just love to be around them. You know, all of the excitement of experiencing something for the first time. I watch people when they come into the church here, and they're like, man, the presence of God is in this place. Come on, the presence of God is in this place. I remember a guy, he used to be my general foreman, and he, I mean, he was a heathen, and he doesn't mind me saying this because we've talked about it. And I was working for him, and I was a Christian, and boy, it was a rough time, you know. Well, I finally went to work somewhere else. This is before I started pastoring the church here. And um, I got word that he had become a Christian, and I thought, well, has he become a Christian or has he just become religious? Because there is a difference, Okay. Is he just a religious man or is he really a Christian? And so I bought him a book and I wrote something in the back of it and I gave it to the lady. I said, 
take this and give it to him. Well, he called me that night to thank me for that book. And I'm telling you, two minutes into the conversation, I'm like, he has met the man. It's the real deal. I, you can tell. You know, well, he started coming to my church after I started pastoring his church here, here and his wife. Roger and Lori. Lori, she's died and gone on with the Lord now. But Roger, he's living down in Gloucester, I think, now. And uh, he was working out at the plant there, and, and he was witnessing to somebody. And he said, when the guy said, well, where do you go to church? And he started telling him. He said, you mean that? And he talked about the church here. And he said, you mean that place down there? He's like, yeah. He said, brother, he said, I drove by that church the other day. And he said, I am not kidding you, Roger. The Spirit of God came in the car with me as I passed that church. I, I remember seeing many of you when you came in, it's like, yes, the presence of God. It's great. It's, it's awesome. And you're excited about it. We should keep that passion. How do you keep that passion? How do you get it back if it's lost? When our passion is gone, God says, remember. You have to remember. He said, remember from which you have fallen. Remember. All the little things that seemed so important then, our attitude, God, I'll do anything for you. God, I'll go anywhere for you. God, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. Peter put it this way in 2 Peter chapter 1. For this reason, I will not neglect to remind you. I'm going to remind you. Why am I preaching this again this morning? I am here this morning to remind you. We need to remember Always of these things, though you know and are established. What is he saying to them? Look, you're an old married couple. You're an old Christian. You know these things. They're established in you. Nevertheless, I'm still going to remind you and remind you and remind you. They're established in the present truth. Verse 13 says, yes, I think it's right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up. Church, I want to stir up passion in you. As long as I'm breathing, I want to stir it up in you by reminding you, knowing that shortly, Peter says, I must put off my tent just as the Lord Jesus Christ has shown me. So the Lord has already revealed to Peter, look, Peter, you're coming to the end of your life. Your days are almost done. He said, with my last breath, I want to remind you and stir you up. Verse 15, he says, moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things even after I have died of my decease. In other words, you know, I thank God for the, for the media today, that these things are being recorded. Every Sunday morning when Jeannie and I are getting ready for church, we're watching Dr. Bradley because uh, as he comes on TV, he's a black gentleman, he's a pastor down in Richmond. Well, he died in a car wreck over a year ago, but he is still preaching the word through the media. And I'm thinking, that is so awesome, you know. And, and I thought about that actually this morning after Pastor B has kicked a bucket you know, I'll still be able to preach because of the recording abilities that we have. You know, Peter didn't have that, but he's saying, look, even after I'm dead, I want to be able to stir this up in you and remind you of these things. John said, remember from whence you are fallen. Peter says, I want to put you always in remembrance of these things. We say, well, what things? 
Back up to verse 5. He says, but also for this very reason, give all diligence. Church, listen to me. To be passionate about your marriage, about life, about Christ, about everything. You have to be deliberate. You got to be deliberate about being passionate. It doesn't just happen. You got to make up your mind. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to be critical. I'm not going to be just an an agitation. I'm going to be an inspiration. I want to be passionate. I want to notice all the little things. Things that were wonderful when I first known them, and they're still wonderful today. They have not changed. If they were exciting then, they ought to be exciting now. Amen? So he said, for this reason, I, I, you, you, you oh, where am I? Verse 5. For, for, our, for this very reason, give all diligence, he said, especially... After it's become familiar, you need to be diligent because you can't look at it and say, well, I've had that, done that, been there, seen that. Yeah, well, I thank God that I can still go there, still be there, still see that, still know that, still do that. Be grateful. Then he said in verse 6, to the, let me read verse 5 again, but also for this very reason, give all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, To virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and they abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness, and he has forgotten that he was cleansed from this old sin. He's forgotten. Come on, I believe that's why the Lord is quickened this morning. Who are you? I am a child of the living God. We need to remember who we are and be excited about who we are. If anybody asks you whose I am, tell them I'm a child of God. My father is rich in houses and lands. He holds the wealth of the world in his hands. Rubies, diamonds, silver and gold. Tell them I'm a child of God. Verse 10 says, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, we refuse. We refuse to leave our first love. Come on, refuse to leave your first love, to lose your passion, to lose your appreciation. He says, remember, you need to continue to grow in your faith. 
Let your faith grow into virtue, your virtue into knowledge, your knowledge into godliness, your godliness into brotherly kindness, and your brotherly kindness into love. So when or if your first love is gone, if your passion is gone, how did it go? Jesus said, you left it. You left it. You didn't lose it. See, when you lose something, that's unintentional. When you leave something, that's an action of your choice. You chose to leave it. So it's a deliberate action, and it takes a deliberate action to return to it. He said, remember from whence thou art falling, and repent. Repentance is a deliberate act. I have to acknowledge that I have missed it. I have walked away from God. I am going in the wrong direction. And repent just simply means to turn around and go in a different direction. And you don't do that without a deliberate action. If you deliberately left something, you have to deliberately turn back to it. And Jesus is saying you left your first love. You didn't lose it. You left it. You have to deliberately return to it. Repent and do the first works, he said. Remember from whence thou art fallen. Repent and do the first works. The things that used to excite you, you need to do them again and get excited about them. No one else on earth can give you passion for your marriage, for life, for hunting when it's cold, for fishing when it's dark, for loving your mate, from coming to church, from singing praises to God, from serving when somebody asks you to serve. Come on, nobody can give you passion for that. That's your own creation. You and you alone will make that happen. You will choose to be thankful, to be appreciative, to show gratitude and kindness and love. Come on, don't get close to the beach and miss it because you can't read the sign. You drive all the way from Mississippi to the South Carolina coast and you miss it because you can't read the sign. Myrtle Beach left. Church, it, doesn't, it hadn't gone anywhere. Still right there. Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm through yelling at you. Why don't you stand up with me? If you're in love with somebody and they're with you this morning, I want you to just take their hand. Your mate, preferably. Maybe if you're not married, you're engaged. Your boyfriend, girlfriend, somebody. Take their hand if you would, please. Can you just make this your prayer? God, just help me not to become so familiar with life that I fail to notice all of the little miracles of life that occur around me all the time. Come on, don't take that person beside you for granted. Don't take them for granted. That's a gift from God. The Bible says, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. She's my good thing, man. Come on, she's my good thing. Say, she's my good thing, guys. Come on. She's my good thing. Look at her and say, you're a good thing. Uh-huh. Reignite the passion in me for life, God. Reignite the passion in me for my mate, Lord. I want to value them. I want to affirm them. I want to be affirmed. Come on, you need to be affirmed. Church, listen, you don't need to constantly make them prove to you 
that they love you. That's draining. All right? You need to affirm and be affirmed. You need to honor them. Show them honor. Somebody's talking about you, man, don't join in. Somebody's talking about you, woman, don't join in. You defend them. You honor them. Be respectful to them. If you got a difference, wait until you're in the other room to talk about it. You don't have an intense discussion in front of people. You're respectful of each other. Be attentive to each other. Notice them. Notice what they like, what they need. Come on, guys. Take the trash out sometimes. Huh? You're the last one out of the bed. Make up the bed. It won't kill you. Come on. Pastor B makes up beds. I even sweep the floor once in a while. Mop. I even, I be, I even know how to do laundry. Yeah. Empty the dishwasher. Make her your priority. Make him your priority. Meet their need. Guys, I don't know who's listening to this. Where's the camera at? Now, look at here. She needs you at home. Not out with the boys playing games like you're still a teenager. All right? You need to put the basketball down, hand somebody else a soccer ball, turn off the video game, and go home because mama's at home with the babies, and she needs you there. Man up, grow up, you're not a kid anymore. Yes, and Pastor B said that. If you want to talk about it, I'll be right here. Amen. Come on. Girls, give him a reason to come home. Don't start nagging on the boy as soon as he comes through the door. All right. Put on that sexual negligee. Blue Chanel number nine. Huh? The baby tonight, I'm going to make you glad you're a man. Give him a reason to come home. Come on. And all the men said, come on, be brave, man. Amen. I'll see you later tonight, big boy. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. CVAG, reignite your passion. God, reignite your passion in me for my church family. Look around you. They're the same. You know, when you first came in, you thought, man, these people are great. Then you get to know them. Well, they're not actually so great. They got issues just like you do. Hello. I hadn't seen a perfect person come through that door yet. And when I come in here by myself, there still isn't anybody perfect in here. Amen. This is still the awesome church that it was the first time you experienced it. It hasn't changed. God, reignite or ignite a passion in me for your word. Come on, maybe you've never had a passion ignited in you. Pray, God, ignite a passion in me for your word. 
I want to study it to show myself approved unto you, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing your word of truth. Give me a passion for it, God. And if your passion has died, say, God, reignite a passion in me for your word. Reignite a passion in me for your work. Instead of saying, well, somebody else will do it, say, no. Remember when I said, God, I'll do anything for you. I'll say anything. I'll go anywhere. Reignite that passion in me once again. God, reignite a passion in me for the lost. God, just help me to appreciate them. God, help me to notice and to remember and to be excited and passionate about all the little miracles that happens around me every day. Like blue-tailed lizards and big beetle bugs and wind in my face, sawdust in the sun. All the wonderful, wonderful things of life. Cold weather. Hoppies number nine. Shotgun shells. All of those. Aren't we just surrounded by blessing after blessing after blessing? But we lose sight of those things. You know, what is it about human nature that always thinks the grass is greener on the other side? It's just something, there's something about the forbidden. Things I'm not supposed to do, that's the very thing I want to do. What is it about human nature? Listen, I, I learned something God showed me this year. The grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener over the septic tank. Sometimes you get over there and get to chewing on this stuff, and you find out that it stinks. It wasn't so great after all. Amen? Life is good. God is good. Your life is good. And it can be better if we remember from whence we have fallen. Repent. Do the first work again. Always a chance as long as you're alive. Amen. And as long as I'm alive, I'm going to remind you of it. Like Peter. Amen. Bow your head if you would, please. Father, we thank you so much for the time that we've had together today, God. I pray for every single person that's heard this message. God, I pray for myself. Lord, that this word will be yes and amen in my spirit. God, we'll not just walk out here and say, well, that was a good message, Lord, and then just forget it. But, Lord, we will remember, we will remember. God, I pray that when we see dust particles floating in the sunlight as it shines through the window of our house, you will remind us, Lord, of the goodness of God. Lord, when we're out and the breeze hits us in the face, Lord, we will be reminded, God, of how good you are and how blessed we are. God, I pray that every person that sees a, every guy, Lord, that sees a bag full of trash in the house remembers, Lord, how good you are. When it's time to make up the bed, Lord, when the floor is dirty, when the clothes need washing, God. Every woman, when she sees her husband come through, Lord, and he's tired and he's worked hard, Lord, and he's, he, he just needs rest, Lord, that she'll remember the goodness of God and how blessed we are. All of the little points we've made and many that I didn't make, God, remind us, Lord, of your goodness, Lord. Give us a passion, God, once again. Lord, help us to find that first love and to hold on to it, Lord. 
God, the, the writer said that familiarity breeds contempt. That's not always true, God. How can we fall more and more in love with somebody that we don't know, Lord? Getting familiar with them, Lord, I pray that instead of breeding contempt, God, it, it will just, it, it will ignite more and more gratitude and, and, and gratefulness for who they are and what they are and who you are and what you are. So help us today, Jesus. Take this word, Lord, and let it find a, a place in our spirit, Lord, that is fertile so that it can grow, God, and bear fruit, I pray in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I speak a blessing over this body this morning. Father, I pray that every single person that is here, Lord, will, will walk out, Lord, and, and cherish this word, God. Lord, I pray that their home, Lord, will be a place where you are honored, where the Holy Spirit is welcome. Now, Lord, we've talked about married couples today. God, I pray that you will strengthen the marriages. Lord, the enemy is trying to put a division between men and wife, not just in this church but around the world. God, I'm getting reports all over the place of people that they're, they're looking outside of their marriage trying to find happiness, God. And they don't realize it's a deception, God. The enemy is setting them up to destroy them, and they don't even see it, God. God, I pray that you will open their eyes, that they will see the, the, the thing that they want, the thing that they need is right there in their own house, the mate they already have. So strengthen the family today, God, husbands and their wives, Lord, parents and their children, siblings, one with each other. God, I, I pray a special prayer over those that are not married today, God, that are seeking out their mate, Lord. May they find that perfect person that you, you've got just for them, Lord, that they can experience all of the wonderful things of life together. Lord, bring them together, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.